0: Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. On this episode, we have a brand new 2022 NFL Mock Draft for you, hot off the presses, right from Mobile, Alabama, from the Senior Bowl. It's not just my Mock Draft. It's not just Connor's Mock Draft. This is the first mock draft that we're going to work on together as a team here on this podcast. We've got the first round for you, but we have some more picks after that. We're going to show some love to all the teams that don't have first round picks as well. Give you some selections and some analysis for all 32 picks in the first round and more. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is my co-host Connor Rogers. Let's get after it. In the NFL Stock Exchange. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Connor Rogers on a mock draft Monday here for the podcast. Very excited about this one. Connor, the last time we did a mock draft, it was just me. It was basically you ripping my mock draft to pieces. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on here. This is not fair. We got to get you involved so that people can rip your picks as well. So this is the very first dual mock draft that we are doing as a duo here on this podcast. Are you ready for it? You fired up? Yeah, man, I can't wait. It's always fun when, uh, you know, it's not fair
1: to just have you getting ripped on me, the comments, whatever it may be. So we'll do a little ping pong mock draft action here on our mock draft Monday. And you know, for those that think it might be a little soon for a mock draft, well, a couple things. One, we have a huge surprise in here that I'm not going to give away. You're going to have to stick around for. Two, this is coming off the Senior Bowl. So we're not. me and Trevor aren't the type to really overact and throw like 10 guys in here from the Senior Bowl. But you'll notice a <laughs> thing or two that's different. And a lot of these picks are different here, Trevor. So let's get right into it.
0: Yeah, uh, since we went to the Senior Bowl, all six quarterbacks from the Senior Bowl will appear in this mock. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally Bailey step on down. But there are going to be a handful of... Movers and shakers, if you will, some guys that are popping up from maybe that fringe first or second round into for sure first round guys. So uh, excited to get into... All of that before we head into the mock draft because we are just getting right to it because we know it's going to be a long podcast. Mock draft pods always are NFL Stock Exchange presented by Price Picks. Head on over to prizepicks.com, use the promo code PFF, deposit $20, and you will get a free year of a PFF Edge subscription. What is Price Picks? Well, this is your place to go to to place your bets for all the over-unders in the NFL. Obviously, there's only one game left in the NFL season, but this is the one that's going to have the most prop bets to it. Me and the rest of the PFF team, we were throwing down all sorts of over-under prop bets for championship weekend. It's a great way to have some extra fun for the game. If you get that subscription, it's going to cover everything from the draft guide, fantasy football guide, plus all sorts of betting tools that you're going to have in the season as well. So if you're watching the show on YouTube, the description is going to be below so you guys can check it out there. We figured since Connor's a Jets guy, he's got his roots in New York, Jets have the even or yeah the Jets have the even picks they have number four and number 10 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where my roots are they pick 27 they pick odds I figured that was a natural way to start this one I'm gonna take the odds Connor's gonna take the evens we're gonna ping pong a little bit we'll make our selections I think mostly off of what we would do but there's also a heavy element into what we think these other teams are going to be so we've got to keep the element of realism into it but I think it's going to be a decent mix of both so we'll be able to explain a little bit of uh, what pick is each I'm up first for the Jacksonville Jaguars and I'm taking Evan Neal the offensive tackle from Alabama I think this is the right pick I really do I feel like there's probably four or five players that are all candidates to go number one overall but I think that at the end of the day it should be Evan Neal this is a massive interior uh, uh, offensive tackle who we said on this podcast man I just think people are bored As we're sitting here like, oh, like I'd put this person over Evan Neal. I'd put this person to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just think we're bored. The number one goal for the Jags has to be protect Trevor Lawrence. That's it. Is the offensive line where it needs to be? No. Okay, great. Draft an offensive lineman. Make that investment. You got to protect him. You got to do everything you can to get Trevor Lawrence the weapons, not just on the outside with receivers, but also in front of him for the offensive line. I think this is the right pick here at number one.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's a high floor pick. Um, it's a high floor pick that's for your offense. So, of course, there's all of the variables and the impact on Trevor Lawrence, like you said there, Trevor. And I think also, to be honest with you, it's going to be hard for them to get out of this pick to a spot that's still close enough right. to get this kind of player. Right. right. Like they don't like Did do the Lions, Texans or Jets come up to one. I'm not really convinced of that. And do the Texans want to go further back than those top four picks? That doesn't make sense either. You don't want to put yourself out of con- you know contention for a Neil urek kind of player. So I think right here, th- this draft starts off boring, and that might be okay. Maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars can use a little boring in their life after having Urban Myers
0: uh, nonsense and shenanigans this yeah, year. Yeah, so- um, Jags-, Jags fans definitely do want to trade back. I just don't think the market is going to be what you Stop. think it's going to be. I-, I don't see... I don't see a lot of teams super desperate to move up. Like, if they're going to move up just a couple of spots, it's not like you're getting multiple first-round picks. Heck, you might not even get one. I I just don't know what the price is going to be. So they will certainly entertain offers, but I ultimately think they're going to stick at number one, and I would be picking an offensive tackle here. I think this is the way they got to go with it.
1: All right, looking at number two of the Detroit Lions, my first pick here. I think this one's kind of simple right now. It's Aiden Hutchinson. I've heard already that they obviously love Aiden Hutchinson. It's a no-brainer fit there. Uh, You're getting a top-flight pass rusher. You're also getting another high-floor guy early. He's not Chase Young. He's not Miles Garrett. You know, he's not TJ Watt or Ibosa, but he's a really, really good football player that can come in and I think give you eight to ten sacks out of the gate. Uh, Rush outside, rush inside, standing up, hand in the dirt, and I think he'll really mesh with what they're trying to build there under Dan Campbell. So for the Lions right now, you're trying to get foundational pieces. You think you got that last year with Penny Sewell. You got that with a couple picks throughout that first draft for Brad Holmes. You keep that going right now and and build a baseline or start to stack on top of the
0: baseline you built. Hutchinson's that kind of player. Yeah, we were talking to some people at the Senior Bowl and uh, some NFL people that I talked to said that if the draft were to start this weekend, they actually think that Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the top overall pick. Like they, they think that he would go to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. And I think that speaks to how much teams are going to emphasize just getting good football players, if you will, in this draft yep. class. I, I don't want to say it's a bad draft class because I don't think it's a bad draft class, but there's no doubt about it. It's not as talented as it was last year. And I, I, I think that NFL teams certainly realize that. And because of it, we might see less risks from these teams and more just like, hey, normally this guy might be an early second rounder, but you know what? I believe in him as a football player. I see where he wins. I know he could be a good pro. I'm going to draft him a little bit earlier because I like the safeness or the high floor in what we're getting with here with that player. So Aiden Hutchinson, shoot. Might go number one overall. So you got him going number two. I think that's a solid pick. Houston Texans, man. Nobody knows what they're going to they're do. God knows what they're going to do. I'm looking on, on uh, our lads right now at their depth chart. And as of right now, because of all those one-year deals that they signed, they've got seven starting defensive players that are scheduled to no longer be on the roster next year. Only four guys are returning that are under contract, which is pretty nuts. It it makes you think, and it kind of fortifies the fact that the Texans are still truly blowing all of this up. Now, what happens at the quarterback position with Deshaun Watson will go even further into what exactly they're doing and what their timetable might be, how they're going to mend this roster with the picks that they're going to get. But with them having this number three overall selection, I don't think it's going to be a quarterback instead I think it's going to be a guy like Kyle Hamilton. I really do. We've got a Patriots system, right? Nick Casario calling a lot of the shots there. Nick Easterby uh, in there as well. They've got strong Patriots ties and and Patriots ways of thinking. And I believe the versatility of what they have and the rareness, the uniqueness of Kyle Hamilton is going to be very Mm – New England-esque for them. And I think that this is what they're really going to want. You could use Kyle Hamilton in so many different ways. And for a defense that is pretty far away from being where it needs to be to compete, when you get a pillar, a cornerstone like this, I think it makes a lot of sense as you continue to build it. So is this the most pressing need for them to draft a versatile safety secondary player? No, probably not. But a couple years down the road, They might be damn glad that they made this pick when it was made. And so I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton here at number three. And I think ultimately that fits what they'll do. I think it's a matter
1: of coming from a system of, you know, a place that does put a premium on secondary players. The fact that this is probably one of the rare unicorns of the draft, a player Mm -hmm. at his position that it's hard to find weaknesses and there are elite traits there. It's the size, it's the, versatility. It's the ability to play too high, single high. He can come down in the box. He can match up in the slot. He can blitz, uh, high character player, really smart player. Uh, the way he handled Brian Kelly's departure, he was the guy out in front and speaking to that. He's somebody that can probably be the guy speaking to the media after a tough loss or is the reason you're winning big games. So Kyle Hamilton at three, it's, you know, people go, oh, safety at three. But He's probably that special of a prospect that he matches up going in that spot. So number four, the New York Jets. And this is probably where things get really interesting here, Trevor, because a lot of conversation coming out of Mobile is where is Kayvon Thibodeau going to come off the board? This is someone that over the summer was projected as the number one overall pick, really the first two months of the season. If you went on, you know, whatever your gambling service is the odds are always that he he was the runaway favorite to be right. the number one selection. Right. There really was nobody close, honestly, where you weren't going to make plus money betting on him to go number one. And then out of nowhere, you have Aiden Hutchinson's rise. Now you have mock drafts like these where Evan Neal goes number one overall before. We've seen, you know, Equanu go number one before. So where is Thibodeau going to go? And I think the New York Jets, as much as they know internally, they need to build around Zach Wilson. They need Zach Wilson to be good for them to not get fired and for them to win ball games. But this is a situation where I just don't think you can pass up the ceiling. Your defense was awful last year, right? Emb- embarrassing. You hired a coach that everything he's built on has to do with the pass rush. Look at San Francisco, the way they won a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Sure, Carl Lawson's coming back, and that's great, but you know, on the edge, you don't have anything but him, and you can't guarantee that he's going to bring anything with that injury. So, right, I know there are questions around Thibodeau, uh, whatever they may be. Uh, I know, you know, obviously him falling to four is even a surprise in itself. But you can bet on Robert Sala getting the most out of him, and you can bet on a team that just needs pass rush help in the worst way. They just have not had a legit edge rusher since John Abraham over a decade ago. I think this is where Thibodeau would come off the board.
0: Yeah, and right, a couple of weeks ago, the very first episode that we had on NFL SC, we were breaking down my mock draft, and I had K- Kayvon Thibodeau not even going number four, going number five to the New York Giants. And a lot of people, Jets fans in particular, were up in arms about it, like, how could you possibly pass up on Kayvon Thibodeau? And I was just kind of putting it out there like, hey, he he's he might not go as high as you think. Like, this is the reality. And I And I saw you quote tweet this. Um... Earlier today, actually, a quote from Todd McShay. Now, Todd McShay was down in Mobile, Alabama, and Todd McShay, for as much whatever you want to think about him as a draft analyst, he's super plugged in, dude. He talks to the league a lot. He's got a lot of sources there. And he had a quote coming out of Mobile this week. He said, I heard a lot about Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau, including concerns that he just doesn't play with the same fire as some of the other top prospects. His ceiling is high, but the floor is lower than what you want for a top five pick. So he also said that based on a couple of conversations, wouldn't shock me if Thibodeau fell out of the top five. I don't know if he's going to fall all the way out of the top five because, you know, there's two ways you could look at it. One, you could kind of look at what I brought up before with a guy like Kyle Hamilton or a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, where you just, you're going to pick good football players. And so when you look at the ceiling of Kayvon Thibodeau, I feel like that's that's basically got to be the case. But it, if, if people look at Thibodeau, and think that there is any even chance you're boom or boomer bust? Maybe they're not taking the chance in this class like they would in yeah. other instances, you know. So I, I'm just I'm I, I I don't know what's going to happen with Kayvon Thibodeau. I really don't. Talent wise, he's a top t- top five pick, and I believe right now, if I'm betting on it, I'm still betting for him to be a top five pick. The Jets can't afford to miss, dude. That's the thing. Right, like, if right, they if right, they have any
1: reservations right? that I can't speak to right now, like obviously McShea can speak to it. I think even Daniel Jeremiah's rankings or or mocks have spoken the same way, where he's not this bona fide top three guy anymore. I can't speak to that yet. I think coming out of the combine, you and I will know a lot more when we get yes. back from Indy. Yeah, uh, because you know, that's just how it goes. You get all your information there. If the Jets have any reservations, then they then they won't take them because they just they can't miss. They they came into a situation where the roster was too hollow. They still need to get it right around Zach Wilson and and Iki Ekwunu is sitting right there in the face. So mm-hmm. I, this is a little bit this is a lot of bit of what I would do, uh, but it would it wouldn't it's not ridiculous the way you had it where they pass they go offense they go higher
0: floor and they walk away and say we feel okay with that. Yeah. Because we know what we're getting. Yeah, obviously the draft is about obviously having a great process, but it's also about coming away with good football players. And 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 something I think that a lot of people would tell you that the process involved would probably say, Hey, pick Kayvon Thibodeau. You look at the ceiling, you look at the position that he plays, you're picking him, it's a no-brainer. But if people, like you said, have reservations about him and that we're hearing that that's Probably the case throughout the league, warranted or not. That's just kind of what people are thinking. So you take him off the board here at number four. You mentioned Nicky Aquana, the offensive tackle from NC State, the massive offensive tackle from NC State. I'm going to take him for the New York Giants here at number five. If you look at the Giants' offensive line, not only was it bad last year, the entire right side of the offensive line, including the center, is up for unrestricted free agency. Billy Price, Will Hernandez, Nate Solder, all those guys are unrestricted free agents and might not even be on the team next year. Now, they've got Andrew Thomas, who was able to bounce back in his second year, which is great to see at left tackle. But the good thing about Iki Aquano is you don't have to reteach him or teach him for the first time playing right tackle because he played right tackle before he moved over to left tackle. So he's got that experience there with him. And I really like this pick because it gives them their two bookend offensive tackles. They have also another pick at number seven that they can get creative with. If you go out and you get a right tackle to really complement what Thomas is doing on the left side, I think that is exactly what the goal would be. And this is probably kind of the dream pick, maybe outside of Evan Neal for the New York Giants. It's some sort of offensive tackle, but Iki not just from the size and the talent perspective, but also the right tackle background makes a ton of sense for the Giants here at number five.
1: I think so, too. I think they they're going to build an identity now under Joe Shane that they want to be tougher. They want to make life easier on the quarterback. They've they've been very uh, accepting up top at ownership. They have failed at those things miserably during the Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman era. And that'll start with a, you know, no nonsense kind of pick for the Giants where, man, if, if this went the other way, Trevor, the Jets take icky and the Giants are sitting there at five, I don't necessarily know what the heck they would do. I, I mean, <laughs> do you come out of the gate and swing for the fences in Thibodeau? Well, everything that we've heard about you and you've preached is that you you wouldn't do that, uh, and maybe they would take a Loftus or even a Charles Cross. So the Giants and the Jets are a really fascinating part of this draft because of the Thibodeau element of of, you know, that opens the door for him to slide. But in this one, he didn't. So the Panthers at six... Uh, one of the more boring picks of the draft, and I think if you're a Carolina fan, that's okay. That's what you want to hear. This is Charles Cross. Get yourself an athletic guy that is so refined in pass pro. Uh, I think he can get out in space as a blocker, second level of the field. I think he can keep your quarterback upright on the left side. I think he's got good feet. He's got good hands. Uh, I don't care that he's not like six. He's not built like an alien, and that's okay. He he plays lights out. So for me, with the Panthers, it, it doesn't matter. You know, the quarterback situation you're in is not great. Nobody's nobody's denying that. But you're not going to take one here. Uh, you It's all about, once again, laying a foundation down for what's ahead for the future, because on the left side of the offensive line, it just simply hasn't been good enough. This is kind of one of those situations where you're, you're maybe getting the best player on the board. And it's also a monumental need for your team
0: yeah also ton of snaps at left tackle man this dude played 919 snaps yeah. at left tackle in a Mike Leach offense that's just you're playing a lot of offensive snaps for your offensive lineman the air raid that, that that Leach runs demands a ton from his guys and not only was Charles Cross able to play all those snaps he was able to play all of them very athletically right and I think that's what a lot of people like in him now is he exactly as technically refined or as disciplined as you might want him to be no but all that stuff is fixable man and, and what you love and what you bet on is the athletic ability that comes with it and so Charles Cross the offensive tackle from Mississippi State man, I, I think this is a great pick for the Carolina Panthers I don't know if they're going quarterback man a lot of people are like hey they got to take a quarterback or rules got to take a quarterback or actually they probably don't set it up in that way the way that people set it up is they can't go into next season with just Sam Darnold and I'm, yep. I'm with you if they go into next season with just Sam Darnold Matt rule might as well, like just take the Auburn job. If Brian Harson ends up getting fired, like Matt rule might as well just start applying to other colleges or start looking at who's going to get fired next year, because if they go into next year with Sam Donald, Matt rule is going to get fired. He is, he's going to get fired at the end of the year. That's how this works. They're not going to have enough success. But I don't really think a draft drafting a quarterback helps him either. Some people might go, Oh, well, if he drafts a quarterback, then his timer kind of resets. I don't think it does. I, I, I don't think it does. David Tepper, for as much as he wants to do things the right way, a lot of the, these dudes are impatient, right? These are like yeah. multi million dollar and billion yeah. dollar franchises that they own. They're not going to sit here and just lose and go like, they don't well, like losing. And, right. They don't David, know what that's like in life. Right. David Tepper ain't a loser. He's a billionaire. So I think that with the Panthers, I don't think a quarterback here is the right answer either. So you go offensive line and who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? Maybe a, maybe a Derek Carr, maybe a Russell Wilson. I don't know, man. But they, they've they got to change it up at quarterback. I just don't think it's number here at here at number six. Uh, I think Charles Cross is the right pick there. New York Giants, again, on the clock at number seven. So I'm picking twice for the Giants here. I had them taking Aquanu, number five. We just spoke about that. And I'm going to have them stay in the trenches for this one. Only flipping sides. I'm not going to go George Karloftis, the edge rusher from Purdue. Now, this is one of the higher spots that George Karloftis could go. I've seen his range really anywhere, starting it here at number seven and then going down anywhere to probably pick 15, maybe in the 20s, something like that, depending on how low you might be on him. And I think the reason why some people might not be the biggest fans of George Karloftis is because... He's a little stiff, right? I mean, he's he's on the bigger side yeah. for for defensive lineman. I think he's six three, six four, about two hundred seventy pounds. So he's more of your bigger defensive end and edge player. So he doesn't have that natural bend like some normal guys do when they're when they're smaller than him or when they're just a different style of edge rusher. But my God, man, this dude's strong as an ox. I mean, he's getting triple teamed. He was he was getting the Aiden Hutchinson treatment just uh, if playing for a different Big Ten school. That's truly that's really what it was. He was getting double teamed. He was getting triple teamed. And he was often just throwing guys off of, throwing guys to the side. The hands are so violent. They're so quick. They're so precise. How he is able to engage blockers and then disengage them, control the entire point of attack. Carlos is an absolute monster. This is somebody that the Jets need. Him, Leonard Williams on the same defensive line is amazing to think about. And so we've got a great pairing on the offensive side of the football with uh, Iki Kwanu and Andrew Thomas. And now we've got a great pairing in Leonard Williams and George Carloftis if we can make this happen for the Giants.
1: Yeah, that combo is the old, you know what you're getting and it's in a really good way if you're a New York Giants fan where you're getting somebody like Carloftis that's going to play across a Mojilari, and you're going to get a pass rush off the edge and you know you have Leonard Williams on the interior. So now you're starting to figure it out on both sides of the trenches which is the the lack of that process over the last couple of years is exactly why the Giants have not won many football games. And this is the exact opposite. And this is a situation where the draft kind of plays into their hands, where if this draft class even wasn't as strong at edge and offensive line, I still think they would even consider reaching for these positions. It just works out as the fact that these, these guys are warranted. They warrant these selections this early. So The Giants are in a really, really good spot to get a lot better. All right, number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Everything you said about Karloftis, take it. And for David Ajabo, throw that in the trash and put out the other good stuff, right? Karloftis is, like you said, big, powerful, a little bit stiff, a kind of hand in the dirt. Ajabo, total opposite kind of player. He's a speed rusher, a stand-up guy, uh, can just get after the quarterback with the outside burst off of the edge. But the power, the ability to hold the point of attack and contain, especially against the run, is a total work in progress. The guy hasn't played a lot of football. He hasn't gotten the significant workload that a lot of these Michigan edge rushers get, whether it's, you know, obviously you go over Sean Gary, Quiddy Pay, now Aiden Hutchinson. I think a lot of people in that program halfway through the year thought Ajabo would go back to school and turn himself into a top five pick. But his year was just simply too good that he said, you know what, I'm going to get out now. I know I'm probably going to be a top 20, top 15, in this case, top 10 pick anyway, and the NFL will let me develop under them while I do what I do best, and that is pin my ears back and get after the quarterback with elite outside speed. So the Falcons pass rush, uh, it didn't exist this year. It wasn't real. It didn't happen. This is a good way (laughs) to find a way to get some of that instantly next year with. Definitely one of the riskier picks of the top 10 here. I'm not going to, you know... Dance around that. This is the, uh, this is the riskiest pick of the top ten, but the Falcons they got to get it right at edge, and I think a would fit what they're looking
0: for. What's the what's the video mashup that people sometimes tweet where it's just like the guys like it's fiction, it's fiction. This one's fabricated. We made we it may- up. We made it, it didn't up. happen.
1: <laughs> it's That's so a-
0: good, man, and it's just over and over and over again. That's it, literally, yeah, you're right. That's the Falcons pass. I'm sorry. It's the Falcons pass rush. That is the Falcons. That's the Falcons pass rush. Okay, we're at number nine here, and this would be the Denver Broncos pick. But you know what, Connor? You and I were talking before Ooh, on the show. Mix it up. And everyone right now, everyone is thinking, Okay. Denver's gonna make a run on Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, we 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 looked at what their their draft strategy was last year, passed on Justin Fields, passed on Mac Jones, right? And you think, how in the world can you do that? Why are you going into the season with the current quarterback situation of Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke? Why would you do that when you don't have to? And it make and the reason why, I think, is genuinely because they believe that they could have gotten Aaron Rodgers last year. Packers ended up holding on to him, not moving him smartly so because he might win MVP. But this year is different. This year, I genuinely think there's a real chance there's more time now involved. I think Aaron Rodgers moves on. I still believe he wants to move on. And I think the Denver Broncos are the biggest destination for him. So you know what? Instead of sitting here and doing a mock draft for the Denver Broncos at number nine, when everybody else prefaces it or says it's the end, but if they get Aaron Rodgers, it'll be different. Well, let's give them Aaron Rodgers. Let's say two first round picks, two second round picks, and I don't know, probably a player as well. Going to Green Bay, Broncos get themselves Aaron Rodgers, and Green Bay is going to be up here at number nine. So I am officially picking for the Green Bay Packers here at number nine, with Aaron Rodgers now a member of the Denver Broncos in this mock draft simulation. And I still got to give them a wide receiver. And my God, would it be the most insulting thing in the world for them to finally get a wide receiver after (laughs) trading Aaron Rodgers? But when you look at it, Devontae Adams is a free agent. He's probably going to command the most money out of any player hitting free agency. And that really says something that a wide receiver is going to do that. Marquez Valdez Gantley is a free agent as well. Alan Lazard, you like, but he's more of that blocking kind of a threat of a wide receiver. He's got a little bit of potential to him. I'm not trying to slander. It's an ideal a, number three. Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to slander Alan Lazard at all. But, you know, Randall Cobb's obviously getting up there in age. They have Amari Rogers who I like, but they still need a number two. bringing Devontae Adams back, you got to do it. I think they're going to stick with Jordan Love, and I'm going to give him trailing. Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. This is a six foot three 220 225 pound beast that you can use in so many different ways on the outside with contested catch situation. You can get the ball in his hands quickly with a lot of work in the slot as well screens. Uh, Short passes, slants, as well as vertical routes. Traylon Burks, I think, has the athleticism, the strength, the speed to do it all. Him as a number two next to Devontae Adams, I think, would be an incredible combination. One that Aaron Rodgers probably wished that he had over the last couple of years. But with Rodgers in this mock going to the Denver Broncos, I'm going to give the Packers the wide receiver that they should have drafted many years ago. Traylon Burks, the wide receiver out of Arkansas.
1: I like it a lot. I love Traylon Burks, obviously my number one wide receiver in this draft. And I think, it, man, there's probably Packers fans listening to this that are just like, oh, they'll run it back one more year. Maybe they will. We we don't know. That are still holding out hope. But I think it's time that we start presenting different scenarios of where this offseason can go. And and the number one splash that people are thinking could very well happen, and there's legitimate you know, smoke to it, is that Rogers finds his way to Denver with a win now roster and just a different place. It's always felt like he's wanted to navigate to a different place over these last, right. This last calendar year. Uh, and for the Packers, this is a great starting point of a return package. You are getting a top 10 pick. You, you already made your bet on who the quarterback of the future is for you. Right? So you're not, you're not doing that here. You're not taking Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. You already got Jordan love, but no matter what you think of Jordan loves future, they've already made that decision. So now you're getting a piece and the the trade, like Trevor said, is going to be a lot bigger than this, but you are getting a piece that you feel can really maximize Jordan Love's development and Shrelin Burks. And yeah, no receiver that, that fits well for LaFleur.
0: Yeah. And, and look, you know, Packers fans think that they might be able to run it back one more year with Rogers. Look, I thought the same thing about Tom Brady. If you need a if you need a playlist to get emotional about and just sit there in silence when it ends up happening that he leaves you high and dry at the end, uh, I got playlists for you. So just hit me up. It's not a fun feeling. All right. Round us out. Top 10 New York Jets. Yeah.
1: Don't, don't cry because it's over Packers fans smile that it happened because Uh, now I'm I'm on the clock for the Jets.
0: I I was, I was just going to say, I did both with Brady. So, um...
1: and and, and not much good has happened, uh, you know, for my good old (laughs) New York Jets in a long, long time. So, Let's get back on track to making sure that does happen. Pick four, Kayvon Thibodeau. Now you gotta go offense at ten. And and Traylon Burks just went to the Packers at nine. So we're gonna go Garrett Wilson here. We're gonna get a receiver that knows how to separate, uh knows how to separate and can make something happen after the catch, can come in and I truly think give you a thousand yards out of the gate. Now, a thousand yards with Zach Wilson, I'm not gonna guarantee that. You need to see it first. You need to see the development. But when you're lining up a wide receiver set, of Corey Davis and they like Elijah Moore on the outside a lot but you can move him around Corey Davis and Elijah Moore with Garrett Wilson in the slot
0: mm. that's
1: going to open up a lot of matchups and opportunity for Garrett yes. Wilson right away for the quick throws over the middle of the field uh, vertically up the seam and the deep outs and the you know the bubble screen so this to me is a player that. Fits a lot of what that Jets offensive staff, obviously headlined by Mike LaFleur coming from San Francisco. This is the kind of receiver they want. They want somebody that knows how to win and win quick. And when the quarterback is coached to get the ball to a certain place as a guy is schemed open, Garrett Wilson is typically the kind of receiver you think of. So number 10 for the Jets. If Burks was here, I'd take him. Totally different player. But Garrett Wilson, not a consolation prize, an absolute win in his, own, in his own right. Yeah, that'd be
0: a very fun wide receiver room there with the New York Jets. All right, let's recap. One through ten, number one, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal. Detroit Lions at number two, took Aiden Hutchinson, the pass rusher from Michigan. Three, Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, uh, went to the Houston Texans. Jets, as Connor said, went Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher from Oregon. New York Giants took Iki Aquani, the offensive tackle from NC State. Uh, Carolina Panthers at six took Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Number seven, New York Giants once again. They were on the clock. They took George Karloff, this edge rusher from Purdue. Atlanta Falcons at eight, took David Ojabo, the edge rusher from Michigan. Number nine, the Green Bay Packers, yes, moved on from Aaron Rodgers, traded a couple of first-round picks with the Denver Broncos. And so the Packers took Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks. And then uh, Connor just gave Garrett Wilson to the New York Jets, the wide receiver from Ohio State, at number 10. We will continue this mock draft after reading everybody's favorite ad. Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pub wreck you. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, fellas, and it's coming up quick. And this, on this, this, and our sponsors over at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's time to join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leader in below-the-waist grooming. With our exclusive offer, go to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF20, or just PFF actually PFF for twenty percent off and free shipping that's 20 percent off and free shipping if you use the promo code pff at manscaped.com join cuban and shoot your arrow with manscaped this valentine's day washington commanders first time i get to say that up at number 11 as we resume this post senior bowl 2022 mock draft connor i think they gotta go quarterback i I think they have to i think they're gonna i think they will I'm going to whisper this. I don't think I'd take any of these QBs in this no. entire class. In
1: the first no, round. I can't. a mobile
0: like I, F. I no, I don't think I'd take any of them. I, would, I, don't, I don't think I'd take a single QB in the first round, but we know that's not going to happen, right? That's not the NFL. That's not the NFL landscape. We know that these teams are going to pick a quarterback and we've got to find landing spots for them because I think it's it, we owe it to our listeners to make this somewhat realistic, even if it is some of a preference of who we would pick here and there. I think Washington is going QB and with them going QB, I am going to take Matt Corral. I think Matt Corral... Is he the first quarterback off the board or the second? I think there is there is some smoke that Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty, could potentially be the first quarterback off the board. But I'm going to go with the gunslinger from Old Miss under Lane Kiffin the last couple of years. I'm going to go with Matt Corral. He's just got, obviously, the moxie to him, the confidence. He's, he's a big gamer, if you will. Those are all words that I absolutely hate to describe quarterbacks, but that's the best that I kind of have here. I think that he's got a good arm. I really do. I think Matt Corral's got a good arm. I think he can throw it down the field with distance. I don't think he has the best arm when it comes to velocity, but he's a dude who brings... Pretty nice game to him when it comes to his arms and his legs. I think a guy like Ron Rivera, who has obviously had a lot of success with a dual threat player in Cam Newton, although I wouldn't put Matt Corral in the same category as Cam Newton. They're able to do both of those things. I think that Ron Rivera can get a decent amount out of Matt Corral. (laughs) I think they're picking quarterback, man. I think they have to. you, You can't go into it's the same situation as Carolina. You cannot go into next season with the same quarterback room. I think they've got to give their franchise some hope. New name, new logo, new brand, new everything. New quarterback comes with it. I'm going to go Matt Corral here at number 11.
1: Yeah, I like this fit a lot, and I like Corral. He's been my top quarterback for a long time, and but it just doesn't mean anything in this class. A top yeah, quarterback right. might not even be a first-round player. So you, you're kind of pigeonholed into this spot, Trevor, where they, they have to do this. It just feels so early, but this would be the guy I would take for them. I think this is the right fit. Uh, the, the commanders, God. Feels feels used wild, to, to, used wild to, to say. You got to mix you... in like a take command of your Valentine's Day. Oh,
0: man. I should have.
1: All right. On the <sighs> clock, number 11, Washington Commanders. Man. Seamless transition. All right. Number 12, not I so I'm going to let you handle a couple of these. You know, what yeah. it's, you know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Number 12, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. All right first corner off the board and it's going to be not derek stingley it's gonna be sauce gardner here i think when you look at the vikings yes coaching staff change Mm -hmm. uh but it does not deflect from the fact that they need to get younger they need to get better at the cornerback position yep and i think sauce gardner is going to be the first one off the board i Mm -hmm. think he this kind of goes back to the maybe the hutchinson thibodeau conversation sauce and stingley where one guy has the chance to be a top five player at his position in the future. But it's been a little more inconsistent. There's a little bit more question marks. And I think Stingley's are much more significant than Thibodeau's. And this is kind of the, you know, sauce is like Aiden where there's so much film out there that's dominant. You've seen it. He checks every box physically that you just don't really worry. You walk away from the draft with a really, really good player I think you feel just as good about Sauce coming into this draft as you did last year like with a J.C. Horn kind of player, where you're like, okay, I know this guy can press. I know he can play in man. I know he tackles. I know he's physical. I know he's obsessed with football. I don't have any worries here. Uh, Sauce, the way he tests is going to be what everybody's looking towards next now that he's kind of taken this title as cornerback one. But for the Vikings at 12 to get a player that is – a top-ten player for
0: me in Sauce Gardner. I think it's just a no-brainer. Yeah, and obviously Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach there in Minnesota, you wonder if uh, the offensive guy is is going to go with the defensive pick. But I think when you look at their current depth chart, you look at Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods, Alexander McKenzie, or McKenzie Alexander, sorry. All of those dudes are unrestricted free agents, right? Basically, the only corner who is not an unrestricted free agent is Cam Dantzler. So, they, I mean, they they have to look at corner. It's such a glaring need. I think this is a good place. 12 is good. Yeah, right. For and that. I think that that's great to capitalize on this quarterback class, cornerback class, no doubt about it. Cleveland Browns at number 13. You know, you mentioned how much this offseason has to be about the Jets surrounding Zach Wilson with what he needs to improve and really show you whether or not he can be that franchise guy. We're a little bit later in the journey here for Baker Mayfield, but you're hoping he's fully healthy going into next season. You've got a big potential contract extension looming with him. Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer on the roster. I think they have to go wide receiver. And there's a couple of different ways they could go here. A lot of people like Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's not on the board for them. Neither is Traylon Burks. But my wide receiver one is Drake London is. And I think that for as much as Drake London is not a a field stretcher, Donovan Peoples Jones can be that, right? I mean, we saw him at the combine a couple of years ago, put on an absolute show, had a had a freak of a mock draftable chart with how well he was able to run and jump and show explosiveness and speed and everything. They also drafted Anthony Schwartz as well. The speedster from Auburn. So they have speed on the roster. What they don't have is that reliable dude when the going gets tough, when they need a first down, when they have to have somebody win on one on one on one when the ball is in the air. I think Drake London checks that box for him. And with, with Jarvis Landry kind of taking a step back last year, I think this would actually, where the style is different than, say, a Garrett Wilson or a Jameson Williams, like we often see here for the Browns, I think this might actually be the best pick for them because Drake London can really become Baker Mayfield's best friend. So uh, Drake London, the you here from USA, number 13. All right,
1: moving on here to number 14, Baltimore Ravens, obviously division rival of the Browns. You took Drake London. Now we're going to get a player that would get to match up with him. And that is Derek Stingley. I love it. You're just comfortable with certain players in certain places, right? You look at, you know, he had different questions, but Marlon Humphrey had questions coming out of college into the NFL about, you know, would he warrant as high of a selection that he was? And I think he obviously lived up to being a really, really great pick. I think with Stingley, you go into a culture like the Ravens. They know how to develop that kind of secondary player with all the tools in the world they love their long, tall corners that have the deep recovery speed. He's gonna go into a place where everyone's like, Is he locked in? Is the you know, did he did he fade out after LSU went downhill? You're not worrying about that in Baltimore. You're going this is gonna get the most out of Derek Stingley. So for the Ravens here, great land of a player that I really think can be top five at his position in the future. Obviously the floor is a big time risk. This is the place where he gets locked in and you get everything out of him. I oh, man, I
0: love Stingley. I you just that 2019 tape, don't go away, man. He's a build-a-corner, right? He really just, is. He's he's just unbelievable. And 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 it's it's the wide receivers that he went up against in 2019. Yeah. that gives you so much faith, right? These are really good future NFL players that he was able to shut down. And so uh, it, it's crazy to think about him going number 14. But, man, if, if if the Ravens can get him at number 14, it's an absolute steal for him. Philadelphia Eagles, one of, of three picks that they have in the next five selections going from 15 to 19. I'm going to go with the wide receiver. I'm going to go with Jamison Williams. Okay, I just went with the wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, but I think another wide receiver pick is warranted here because uh, I don't really have faith in Jalen Rager. I I just don't. I'm out. I'm out of faith. I'm out of hope. I I don't think that this gets better for him. Now, does that mean that you cut Jalen Rager? No, you could keep him on the roster and see, obviously, what he does with the lesser load, but the offense should run through Devonte smith next year i don't think there's any question about that and i think that the, the wide receiver two in here should be jameson williams we looked at what he was able to do with the alabama crimson tide i mean he was a big time deep threat early on in the season and then when john Metchie went down when the rest of those wide receivers thinking around him got banged up some of the tight ends were not as reliable as uh, as alabama wanted them to be they started getting this guy some quick touches just almost like manufacturing touches and catches for him and it wasn't these 22 yard bombs which we already know he can do instead it was the over the middle stuff the quick outs the hey we need a first down we're going to jameson williams anyways just five yards down the field not 15 not 50 yards down the field and i think that he was really able to show that he could round out his game obviously he has the acl tear which is Big bummer for him because we're not going to get to see him at the combine. And I think that he would have absolutely flown in the 40 yard yeah. dash of the combine. So I was really looking forward to that as well as the three cone drill and some of the agility drills with Jameson Williams. But we've seen before ACL tears, they're they're not as devastating as they used to be, man. I don't know if it, it's it's just an improved rehab process or the surgery itself or guys are just becoming freaks with how they recover from these injuries. And, and I'm not saying he's going to be Cam Akers and come back in the same season or, or do what Adrian Peterson did with an ACL, but I think eventually Jameson Williams will be fine. I, I think that he will get back to where he was pre-injury, and if that's the case, he's got to be the pick here at number 15 for the Eagles. And so now you are up with the Eagles again at number 16.
1: Yeah, and I'll continue with the theme of play speed for Philadelphia, but go to the defensive side of the ball and look at Nickobe Dean, right? A leader in the middle of the field that's going to be undersized. He's going to be, you know, six foot two. He's probably going to play around two thirty, I think, when all is said and done on an NFL program. But when you're that size, you need to be able to avoid blocks, not always run through them. And he's got the pre-snap awareness and the acceleration to do exactly that. He always knows where to be. It's see ball, get ball, but it's also I know the ball's going to be there and I'm going to be there when it arrives. So, Nicobe Dean gives the Eagles something in the middle of their defense that I think they've been lacking and that is a potential superstar sideline to sideline tough, tough, tough linebacker in the middle of the field that kind of brings out the best in everyone. And yeah, I know they've ignored this position at this level of capital over the years, but I think he is the type of prospect that warrants changing that philosophy, especially right in the middle of the draft. I was
0: going to say Eagles fans probably screaming to you right now. They're not going to pick a linebacker, but you know what Eagles fans? What I want to do. Maybe they should, Nikobe Dean or Devin Lloyd or something with one of these three picks here. I think Devin Lloyd, where maybe the position doesn't scream an early Eagles draft pick. He does. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like he's got to be this next wave of Eagles defenders. This would be a great pick for them. Draft history be damned. I'm um, Great with the Kobe Dean going num- number 16 here uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to take a little break from the Eagles pick with the Los Angeles Chargers at number 17. And you know, Jordan Davis is still on the board. Devontae Wyatt's still on the board. Defensive tackles, I think could be a play here. We've seen a big run in wide receivers and so could go wide receiver here. You know, Chris Olave is still on the board. Jahan Dotson's still on the board, but I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm actually going to go corner. You look at Chris Harris. He was one of their best, maybe their, their, straight up best corner last season. He's 32 years old and he's hitting unrestricted free agency. And so you don't know how much he's got left in the tank. You don't even know if you're going to bring him back. I like Trent McDuffie, the corner from Washington. McDuffie has been starting since his true freshman season. He's been destined for greatness. He is so smart, man. I had the chance to to sit down with him and really get to know him a little bit better. He's just got so much going on between the ears, if you will. He's so smart. He's watching some of the best, most versatile players that have ever played the game. He loves Charles Woodson. He's watched Charles Woodson since he was a kid. Same thing with Rondé Barber. He studied Rondé Barber plenty and... Being a little bit smaller of size, I'm not so sure that Trent McDuffie's going to hit those cornerback thresholds that some teams might hold from him. I don't care, man. I really don't. I mean, it would mean that they would have two smaller guys in Asante Samuel Jr. and Trent McDuffie on their team, but heck, You get yourself a a corner either next year or the year after that's a little bit longer that might be able to go up against some of the bigger body wide receivers. And then all of a sudden you have three wide, you have three cornerbacks that are studs? And if we have learned anything in the NFL over the last couple of years, it's that as these teams start to make their wide receiver rooms, three, four deep of legit wide receivers, you better have the corners to match. And so even if it makes the corners, in in the Chargers cornerback room a little smaller right now you get one longer guy whether it's in free agency or in the draft over the next year or two and all of a sudden you look like you have one of the best cornerback rooms in the NFL at least I think so so I'm gonna go with Trent McDuffie here for the Chargers yeah I think McDuffie
1: it feels a little bit of the same with sauce that his size his sample size of recent film is going to outweigh the question marks with Stingley now, Stingley, you're taking the gamble on earlier because of the traits and the, the overall ceiling. With McDuffie, it's a little bit of the opposite, that he he's just already so good at so many things, and he's not going to come in at 6'3", he's not going to run a 4'3", he's not going to do these freakish things, but he's just a hell of a football player. Knows how to come downhill and tackle, great instincts, awareness. A lot of those Washington guys are built the same, uh, where they are so technically sound and just always are aware of of where the ball is going to be, and McDuffie fits that mold, and the Chargers get a, a an instant starter, which is hard to do in the secondary in any draft. So moving on to the Saints, you mentioned Alave on the board at that pick. I'm going to go with Alave here. The future for Michael Thomas with the Saints, very, very up in the air. Yes, there are questions at quarterback, but I think when they get a new head coach, they're not going to hit the panic button and just overreact to this class. I think they're going to look to just get better on offense and get someone in Alave that is a little bit like McDuffie's role in the corner class. Alave's like that in the receivers where he's not going to have the freakish traits of a Traylon Burks or, you know, Jamison Williams speed or anything like that. But Alave has shown you over years that he knows how to get open. He has a really uncanny ability to get off the line of scrimmage and find space and catch the football deep vertically. And the Saints have been missing that from their offense with a bona fide go-to wide receiver uh, that can be trusted on to carry a game plan week in and week out. And Alave done that enough at Ohio State where he's going to come in super, he's more pro ready than Jamison Williams. Um, you know, even Traylon Burks and Drake London to an extent, like Alave going to come in and get open. And if you have the right quarterback, which we don't know if they will at that
0: time, but if you do, he's going to be super, super productive very early on. So number 19, we'll head back to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to have them taking Tyler Linderbaum, the the interior offensive lineman from Iowa. I don't know where Tyler Linderbaum is going to go in this draft. Yeah, it's hard to figure out. Because obviously he plays a center position. And how valuable is center? That's, I think, the big question here. But, you know, when it comes to a big board, and you know, when we talked about before, hey, just draft good football players in this draft. Uh, Connor, I'm not going to lie to you. He might be player one for me. Like he, he he might be number one on my big board. Like Quentin Nelson was a couple of years ago. Now that doesn't take positional value into the equation. I'm just talking about grading football players at what they are supposed to do. Tyler Linderbaum, good chance. He's the number one overall player on my big board. And so has the number one overall player going 19. Well, just depends how valuable the NFL thinks a center is now for the Philadelphia Eagles. They have Jason Kelsey right now, but he almost retired last year chance that he retires this year. And he only signed a one year deal, although I just looked on Spot and and I think he has like four voided years on the back end of his contract, which NFL teams are doing a ton of now. It's so, so common now. It's weird. I, I, I don't really know how that works. I I, I guess essentially you could just You're kicking do money they, down the road they, while right, the player like, is not playing for you. Right, but like can you activate the year? Like if they want to bring if they want to bring Kelsey back do they just like activate the next voided year and it becomes like non voided or do they have to completely like redo the contract? He walks free. Yeah. Yeah. Very,
1: very uh, manipulative
0: system of the cap that can eventually hurt you in the long run. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Brad Spielberger about that. He's our our cap guy (laughs) at uh, at PFF. He knows a lot more about cap contracts than I do. So I got to ask him all about that, but all that to say, Tyler Linderbaum at center, Landon Dickerson sitting next to him let's go baby that's some uh that's some road graders right there that's a, that's a powerful interior so i'll go linderbaum at 19 round us out for the top 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh who you got here
1: the darling pick and rumor from mobile and that is Malik Willis to the ah, Steelers yes. Yes. yeah i mean we don't have to re you know overthink this one the Steelers need a quarterback they obviously have interest in someone like Malik Willis he has the most upside of anyone in this quarterback class. You can use that howitzer of an arm throwing down the field, obviously, to Deontay and Claypool and even Friar Muth in the middle of the field. Your offense is going to look a little different. You need to get your offensive staff together and say – hey, how are we going to use this guy? Are we going to cut the field in half for him? Are we going to use him on designed runs? Are we going to use RPOs? There's so many different things, good things, that Malik can bring. And I like the Steelers as a landing spot for him. You have a check down option in Najee Harris that can help you out from forcing the ball or making mistakes or making things too complicated. So in this scenario, Trevor, and I don't think this is going to happen in the real draft, they didn't have to go up and pay a premium to get him. There's just no way at 20 would they pass on him, right?
0: Yeah, I no, I, I certainly, from what we learned in Mobile, it looks like they are uh, all in on Malik Willis, which is dangerous because I've gone on record and I'll say it plenty of times again. If you're starting Malik Willis in the NFL next year, it might get ugly for you. Like, yeah, it, I wouldn't advise it, it, that. It, 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 it might not be a good situation because. Man Malik struggled in college I get that he was playing behind a bad offensive line but like even when things were clean like the process was not totally there for him he needs reps man he needs time to develop and I'm not saying that he can't but he just he needs time he doesn't know where to look right now the 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 natural accuracy is just not there for him with his with his throwing motion and the current mechanics that he has it's just the ball does not go where it needs to go as often as it needs to go there and that's that's truly the case with malik willis of course you love the ceiling you love what his arm talents bring he's got a powerful arm he's got great ability with his legs but shoot man he needs time and so if the steelers draft him which it seems like they really might um they just might be in for a uh a rough 2022 that's all i'll say uh recapping 11 through 20. Washington Commanders, they took quarterback Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Minnesota Vikings, they took uh, Soscar on the corner from Cincinnati. Cleveland Browns, Drake London, the wide receiver from USC. Derek Stingley went to the Baltimore Ravens, the LSU corner. Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama, went to the Philadelphia Eagles. N'Kobe Dean went right after him as well to the Eagles, uh, the linebacker from Georgia. Trent McDuffie, the cornerback from Washington, went 17 to the Chargers. Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State, went to the New Orleans (laughs) – From Ohio State, went to the New Orleans Saints. I almost said the New Orleans States, uh, which I guess would make sense because Michael Thomas and Chris Olave both played for Ohio State. 19, Philadelphia Eagles took Tyler Linderbaum, the center, from Iowa. And then we just had Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty, going 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Guys, if you don't have a PFF subscription, head on over to PFF.com and make it happen. We're running a promo code right now, Super25, and you get 25% off any subscription, PFF, whether it is Edge or Elite. go over to PFF.com right now, see exactly what each subscription model gets for both of you. But you know, you get a lot of the draft guides, the fantasy stuff, some of the betting tools with a PFF edge subscription. You can see a lot of locked content as well. But if you want all those premium stats, unlimited viewing of what we're able to bring fans at pff you gotta sign up for an elite i'm telling you it's worth it i had an elite long before uh, i ever started working for pff it is absolutely invaluable when you're learning what your team should do what the rest of the league is doing all that good stuff all right we'll go a little bit of rapid fire here as we round this out because we don't want to just get to the end of the first round we want to show some love to the teams that aren't picking in the first round as well so i'll start things off new england patriots this one's pretty easy for me Devin lloyd's still on the board they get an old linebacker room for the New England Patriots, he feels like a great Patriots fit. He can sit there in the middle of that defense, be the cornerstone, along with a lot of speed that the Patriots are getting on the outside around him. I feel like Devin Lloyd really rounded out his game, not just as a tackler, not just as a true linebacker, not just as a pass rusher, but also as a coverage player this past year. So, total package of linebacker. Still to be determined who's going to go first, Nicole Dean or Devin Lloyd, but I think the Patriots going to be invested in whoever is available here for them at 21. And for this one, Seven Lloyd. We got at number 22, Las Vegas Raiders.
1: All right, the Raiders are going to go with Jahan Dotson here. There's been quite the run on wide receivers in this mock draft. We got got, got a lot in here. A lot gone in the first 22 picks. Dotson can stretch the field. I think he's going to run in the four threes. Uh, You can use him underneath. We know what he can do as a catch-and-run player. But the fact that he can legitimately win vertically at his size, track the ball, great body control, concentration, this is the speed element the Raiders are now missing from their offense. And with Josh McDaniels going there, you hear all the buzz at how – Ownership really wants to bring out the best version of Derek Carr. Well, if you want to do that, there's still work to do with this skill group. And Dotson, I mean, this is it right here. Once Dotson is gone, Trevor, we've now had Dotson, Alave, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Mm -hmm. Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson gone. So the Raiders are actually fortunate that one of the top five or six wide receivers in this draft who are
0: in a tier, they are legitimately in a tier, they were able to land them. Yeah, this is... One of the highest landing spots for Jahan Dotson, but I think a lot of teams are going to tap into this really good wide receiver class this year. So, makes sense. Get it on your radar. It might be. It might be possible. Number twenty-three, the Arizona Cardinals. We're going with the Senior bull darling himself oh. is Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher from Florida State. Uh, Connor, we were talking about this when we were down in Mobile last week. Jermaine had such a good day one and day two. The you and I, while recording the Thursday's episode of the podcast, went. Ain't no reason for him to play on Thursday. Just, you don't even need to show up. And you know what he did? He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He must have listened to the pod early. For I know him, man. that, but uh, yeah, listener of the pod, faithful listener of the pod, Jermaine Johnson, big shout out there. But dude, he it's just such a dominant uh, day one and day two of senior bowl practices that made sense, man. I thought that he was a fringe first rounder going into the week. He is absolutely a surefire first rounder. Now you better get him in to your mock drafts because again, going back to the theme that we were talking about, go draft good football players Jermaine Johnson is a damn good football player and so uh, I've got him going number 23 to the Arizona Cardinals who might lose Chandler Jones you know JJ Watts there of course but last year of his deal he was, he was hurt again this year so basically you're just looking at Lecky Foto uh, Zach Allen right I mean Marcus Golden's still there but man they need some edge help they need the guys who really helped him out and I think Jermaine Johnson gives them that uh, that new blood there
1: yeah, that's a perfect range for him and a good team that probably will look to get more pass rush out. Chandler Jones has a really fascinating free agency ahead of him. So yep. 24, the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going Jordan Davis here, and this is not mm. a sexy pick. This is no, not that's a, a Jerry pick. This is Jerry pick. Get a, guy, a big guy for the middle of the field that can help your run defense. He can two gap. He can take up. A, he can eat a ton of space. He's going to let Micah Parsons Even run around and make more plays, Trevor, and that is a scary, scary thought. He's going to help the linebackers behind him. And overall, it's just going to help Dan Quinn's defense up front where, you know, Jordan Davis doesn't have to play 80, 70 percent, even 60 percent of the snaps. It's not who he is. Uh, But the snaps that he comes in, whether it's stopping the run or rushing the passer, are extremely, extremely effective. So this is just
0: almost too easy in this spot. Number 25 for the Buffalo Bills, I'm going to go with Jordan Davis' teammate. I'm going to go with Devontae Wyatt, who I'm probably going to end up having as DT1 in this class. Man, we talked about Jermaine Johnson having such a dominant senior bowl. If Jermaine Johnson wasn't there, we'd be talking about Devontae Wyatt similarly. He got hurt at the end of day two's practice, and so we didn't get to see him at full strength as long as we wanted to. But again, it's extremely dominant. PFF grades uh, the senior bowl practices as well and I believe he had by far the highest pass rush grade of anybody including Jermaine Johnson through two days of practice I think he ended up getting like a 94.8 pass rush grade for both the individual drills and the seven on seven and scrimmage stuff so I think Devontae Wyatt's absolutely fantastic I think he got overshadowed by the fact that Jordan Davis is the size of an actual house and the fact that Jalen Carter the, the, the true sophomore who's not even draft eligible was running right next to him and I think that people kind of looked over Devontae Wyatt when they really shouldn't have. He's a fantastic football player. When you look at the Buffalo Bills, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, uh, F.A. Obata, Harrison Phillips, Vernon Butler, all those guys are hitting on restricted free agency. The only two defensive tackles right now who are under contract for the Bills going into next year are Starlow Tulele and Ed Oliver. Now, good guys, but the – Buffalo Bills love to keep their guys fresh. They love to rotate on their defensive line, whether it's interior or on the edge. And so I got to think they're going to look to really beef up the interior trenches as well. I think Devontae Wyatt could be a pick for him. Yeah. Davis and Wyatt next to each other on film is just like a Hummer and an Escalade. It's
1: just like, these dudes are just,
0: they're <laughs> mammoths, the it. it's man. great comp.
1: It's great comp. Love it. Hummer and Escalade. This player comp. All right. 26 to Tennessee Titans. Looking to get somebody that can match up against those kinds of big uglies on the defense. And they're going to go O-line here with Kenyon Green. Uh, He played all four spots in the O-line. The only thing he hasn't played is center. So he's done left tackle, both guard spots, right tackle. I like him as a guard, Trevor. I think that's where his film has been at its best. I think for the Titans, a healthy Derrick Henry. You're, You're stuck with Ryan Tannehill whether you like it or not when you look into that contract. So the identity of this team needs to be run 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 and bully everybody and Kenyon Green on the interior is an absolute bully. He can help their offensive line if they like him at tackle, then you move him out to tackle. I just think they need to get talent on the offensive line and this is the best offensive lineman I have available. Yeah,
0: this is a really good pick. I, you know, I'm I'm a little hesitant on Kenyon Green, but I was actually talking with with Mike Renner about this. He's a you know, lead draft analyst over at PFF. And, you know, Mike kind of put it to me this way, because I've watched Kenny Green's tape, and I wasn't blown away by it. I really was. I saw some struggles within his tape, and Mike was like, dude, when he gets a legit position, not that he won't still be versatile in the NFL, but when he gets to hone in on his craft at a legit position, probably at guard, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. He's very talented. And, And you know what? He's right. He's right. I think that Kenyon Green, when he puts his mind to it at one position, is going to turn into a really nice pro. And so I, I like this for him here. I think that it makes sense for Tennessee. This is a team that could get better along the interior offensive line and might not have Taylor Lewan when next season starts. Because yeah. Taylor Lewan getting up at their in age, they save a lot of money if they can trade for him or cut him. I think they save $2.9 million this year. and Not two, $12.9 million this year and then $14 million next year. Uh, if they move on from Taylor. So that's a lot of cap space that they get to uh, clear up if they want to move on from an offensive tackle who is in his 30s. So, yeah, I think that that's a, a good pick there. Bay Buccaneers, number 27. I'm doing the honors Able's here. People have been waiting. People yeah, have been waiting. I, I, I'm doing the honors here for the Buccaneers. No wide receiver to tempt them here. Uh, I don't even think there's a defensive lineman to really tempt them here. Jordan Davis next to Vita Vea would have been absolutely hilarious, but I'm going to go with Andrew Booth, the corner from Clemson. When you look at the Bucks' cornerback room, currently Carlton Davis, unrestricted free agent, I think he's going to get franchise tagged. And so he's going to be back next year, but that means that hitting unrestricted free agency next year is all three of them. Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting, uh, and Jamel Dean. So even if they wanted to bring all three back, I don't know how feasible or even how smart that would be, especially for how good that they have played over the last couple of years and the money they might command. So, I got to think that they're probably going to bring back two of those guys max after next season. So you want to get a good rookie corner on a rookie deal who can continue to contribute, really not miss a beat. If you will Like Andrew Booth, when you look at the long frame, the athleticism, the ball skills he comes with Tampa is absolutely going to love him. So I'm going to go with the cornerback pick here and I'm gonna go with Andrew Booth.
1: Yeah, fits what Todd Bowles wants in a corner and maybe the best one on the board here, uh, depending on how you break down him and McCreary. All right, the Packers back on the clock. They picked in the top 10 already. 28, they're going to go with Darian Kennard here. Somebody that some evaluators will project as a guard. Some people like him at his true position of right tackle where he played in college. Uh, Green Bay getting a little older at certain spots on the offensive line, pretty injured at certain spots of the offensive line. It goes back to the Traylon Burks pick. You're trying to help Jordan Love. You're trying to show we made the right decision. It's okay that we moved on from Aaron Rodgers. This is the future. Our offense is still going to be really good. Kennard is an absolute bully as a run blocker. We know how run heavy this team would be if they did move on from Rodgers, even with Rodgers. So Kennard, obviously a player that there are some differing opinions on of where his home is at the next level. But I think either way you project him, right guard or right tackle... I think that helps you in Green Bay. We know Elton Jenkins is going to play somewhere on the left side, we think. right, right, uh, right. So you,
0: you get a big bully to add in this trap with your second pick with Kennard on the right side. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is a great pick for them. It makes a lot of sense. Miami Dolphins at number 29, and we're recording this podcast on Sunday night. Mike McDaniel uh, has been announced as the new head coach for the Miami Dolphins. And so Dolphins, worst offensive line in football. Not really close. Now they've tried to invest in it before, and it just has not worked out. Yeah, but they missed. I, look, I, like I've had Dolphins fans tell me, like, we don't want to draft another offensive lineman. We, we suck at, off, at, at drafting offensive linemen. I don't know what to tell you. Until it gets better, you're just going to keep drafting offensive linemen. That's just, <laughs> that's just how it's going to go. That's how it goes, man. It's got to get right eventually. I'm going to go with Central Michigan offensive tackle Bernard Ryman. He is somebody that I really liked going into senior bowl week. And you know what, Connor? going to be honest. He struggled a lot of the small did. school guys struggled trevor penning struggled max mitchell struggled and i think bernard ryman struggled and so that's why i think that we're pushing these guys a little bit further down they're not really in that mid first round range anymore i think they're a little further back than that but when you look at what mcdaniel might really want on his offensive lineman it's guys who can get on the hoof right guys who might be able to move in space who are athletic enough who have that athletic background well ryman came into central michigan from vienna austria actually he picked up football when he kind of came over to the states and they started him out as a tight end. So he's got that former tight end background. He's got that athleticism to him. And then they packed about forty, fifty 40, 50 pounds on him, made him a tackle for him. And so, so he is still learning that tackle position. But he gives you a great baseline of athleticism. I should play a variety of different schemes that allow their offensive lines men to get out in space. I think Ryman's a great candidate for that. So for Mike McDaniel, his first draft pick, I'm gonna go with an athletic offensive tackle from Central Michigan, Bernard Ryman.
1: And I think that'll be the first thing they look to fix in the McDaniel era is getting that offensive line right after yep. the guy that made the picks, though, and missed and Chris Greer is still there. So so now you got to lean sure. on the coaching staff to help you. All right. 30, the Kansas City Chiefs. Roger McCreary still on the board. I think this is the right landing spot for him. The Chiefs know going into playoffs, they're going to have to match up with teams like the Bills, where you have Gabe Davis going for eight million yards across from Stefan Diggs, <laughs> like the Bengals that have legitimate weapons across the board. They need matchup corners. They need guys that can compete, that can fight, uh, that can give you a chance, right? That's what it comes down to. They need guys that can give you a chance. And McCreary, the film shows he can he can stay in your hip pocket. He's very sticky in coverage. I know the arm length is going to concern some people, and maybe that's why he's here at 30. But for the Chiefs, I, I think their needs are very, very obvious when they get to the draft. And corner is absolutely one of those ones where if the BPA is there, you
0: just take him. Cincinnati Bengals sitting there at number 31. Uh, They are in the Super Bowl somehow, some way. And I I think the answer to that somehow, some way is Joe Burrow. Look, he's had some incredible performances where he has been pressured like it's nobody's business. He's come out not only alive, but also on top. There's only so much longer that you can play with fire and not get burned. The Cincinnati Bengals still have to invest in offensive line. I think that has to be their first round pick here. And I'm going to pick another senior bowl guy. Zion Johnson, the interior offensive lineman from Boston College, came into the senior bowl. A lot of people had a lot of eyes on him. And you know what, man? He played up to it. That first day, he was absolutely fantastic. And he was stonewalling a lot of interior defensive linemen playing very, very well. Second day, did not play as well. But you know what I really loved? That third day of senior bowl practice he came out and he was out there before anybody else he was working on his pass sets he was working on his drops he did the same thing after practice as well he was talking with coaches he was trying to get better and i think a lot of people came away very impressed with him not just what he was able to do on the field but also how willing he was to learn be a better offensive lineman show that hey this is not the best version of me the best version of me is coming soon in the nfl i think people are really going to like him i think he played his way into that fringe first round spot and I'm going to go with Zion Johnson here to fortify the interior offensive line for the Bengals.
1: All right, at 32, the last pick of the first round before we do the five teams that were not in round one. We're here for you. We're going to do those picks, most of them in round two. One team, not surprisingly, hanging on by a thread in round three. So the Lions at 32, he's still on the board, Trevor, and I think this is right. This is where Kenny Pickett goes. I'm Mm. not this big believer that Kenny Pickett has the ceiling that warrants a top-20 pick but can he come in and manage things for you and win you football games and play in the structure of your offense kind of like Derek Carr yes Kenny he pick he could do that we know Jared Goff's not the answer there forever eventually if you're the Lions you can only kick that can down the road for so long now from 30 from this pick I would not go up and get a quarterback if I was right, the Lions right this is a scenario where a high floor low ceiling player like Mac Jones was last year and I know some people don't like to hear that but that's how Mac was looked at that's Kenny Pickett's probably not as he's not as good as Mac Jones I'll flat out say that but Pro Bowl or Mac Jones Pro Bowl or Mac Jones the electric illustrious pro Bowl uh the Lions here with Pickett I think Lions fans could be okay with this so they didn't move to get him and that he falls right here and now you can kind of
0: see the picture of of what life is after golf yeah you just have to go about this the right way right because yes. i think lions fans are definitely going to yell at us for this final pick they're going to be like why sure. are you picking a quarterback at number 32 right if, if basically you know if the odds tell you if you're not picking a quarterback basically in the top 10 they're, they're probably not going to pan out for you especially in today's nfl especially with this quarterback class but I think there's a right way that you can handle it where this pick still makes sense. Yeah, in hindsight, if Pickett doesn't work out, would you have rather picked somebody else at this selection? Sure, but the biggest swing of the bat is always quarterback until you have one. And Jared Goff was fine last year, but if you draft Kenny Pickett and Jared Goff kind of sucks within the first 10 weeks, maybe you pivot over to Pickett for the second half of the season. and you see what you got in him. You, and you don't have you to like- pay and Goff and anymore. It, and, if, and if you like what you see in Kenny Pickett, cool. Then maybe you hit the jackpot, right? Maybe you did And if you don't, then you can move on. Then you're probably starting a first year rookie and you're not losing a lot. There, You're not winning a lot of games anyways. You're still going to be in the running for CJ Stroud of four. Maybe Bryce Young, maybe Spencer Rattler, maybe Tyler Van Dyke, right? These quarterbacks that might be really alluring next class. I still think they have a chance to pick those guys if they can go about things the right way where this picket selection, whoever quarterback might be, could still make sense. So I don't hate it, man. I'm just getting out in front of the uh, the Lions hate because I feel like there's going to be a lot of it there. Let's move on to the second round. You said we are a podcast of the people. and When we mean the people, we don't just mean the people whose football teams have a first-round pick. We mean All the of people, everybody. everybody. Let's go with the Chicago Bears, number 39. I'm going to pick for them. And I'm going to go with Trevor Penning. I just said that Trevor Penning's probably not in the first round now, given how he played at the Senior Bowl. He had a lot of the clips that were going viral of him absolutely looking like a mean cuss, finishing those blocks, maybe going a little bit overboard on some of them. But the dude is mean. He's got some great tape at offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him. And when when I mean a little bit, I mean his outside shoulder got exposed a lot this past weekend in Mobile. That's something that he's going to have to work with. But when I look at it, here with the chicago bears they've got an opening at right tackle they've got an opening at left tackle they try to move tevin jenkins over to left tackle to kind of back up um, to back up jason peters when he was still there but tevin jenkins has also played right tackle, right remember he played right tackle at oklahoma state And so there's a reality where you could have one mean son of a gun as your left tackle and trevor penning and another mean son of a gun because tevin jenkins was one of the meanest finishing offensive tackles that we had in the last in last class over at right tackle so i actually kind of like this if you're going to upgrade the offensive line you can get two dudes who are tone setters one at left tackle one at right tackle and it's both their home position so i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with trevor penning for the uh, chicago bears there at number 39 in the second round
1: congrats 2022 chicago bears for leading the league in penalties Le- and starting fights <laughs> after the whistle <laughs> but no but seriously uh they do need to take the probably take the best offensive line available we'll see what they can do in free agency 41 the seattle seahawks here going with Kyrie elam a fellow gator there uh, trevor shout out uh, to my you guy? my guy a long physical corner not the most twitchy guy not the most sudden guy not the most stop and start kind of player but if you want somebody that can that can beat up receivers at the line that can really compete at the catch point with those long arms uh, i think the awareness is good I think, he, I think the tackling can be hit or miss, but it's very easy to clean up. I do think he can be coached to come to balance and, and figure out that part of his game. So I actually like Elam's projection to make plays on the ball better at the next level where teams will target him more. Mm-hmm. So for Elam to fall outside the top 40 seems like a good fit for Seattle in, a, in an area where they do need secondary help. I do
0: really like that, man. I, I like him going to Seattle. You know, I, th- I think he's more of a man coverage corner, but I think that he could develop plenty to be um, whatever kind of zone corner that, that Seattle might want him to be. Indianapolis Colts at number 47. I'm going to have them taking Kentucky wide receiver Wandale Robinson, and this is... Big reason why I'm making this pick is because the Paris Campbell experiment just has not worked out for them. Paris Campbell has not been on the field as much as they have needed him to be. Got Zach Pascal, I believe, is a free agent. You got T.Y. Hilton getting up there in age. I think he is a free agent as well. You got the size and the overall big-bodied ability of Michael Pittman and then the underneath deep threat speed element of Wandale Robinson. I think that that could be huge for the Indianapolis Colts. I don't have this being a quarterback pick, even though Carson Wentz uh, wasn't really great especially down the stretch of this year but man opening up that wide receiver room with wandale robinson i think that's fantastic for them this is maybe better than what the paris campbell pick was even when they envisioned it when they made that one i think that wandale robinson brings you some serious serious speed ability for the colts there
1: all right the 49ers at 61 and we're going to go lewis scene here from georgia okay i kind of a do-it-all safety he can cover on the back end he's got incredible downhill speed Uh, He does have ball skills. He's a heat-seeking missile uh, on the receivers and tight ends running underneath routes. So, Seen plays fast. The Niners defense, they want those guys on the back end to play fast. And I think this is really good value for him. I think he'll actually be a top 50 player for me when all is said and done. They get him here at 61. And depending on how free agency goes, you have a guy like Tart that's probably up and could walk. Although, we'll see. Uh, this could be a plug-and-play scenario for the 49ers in a spot that might be a hole for them coming into the draft.
0: And the final pick of this mock draft on this Mock Draft Monday episode. The Los, the, the Los Angeles Rams, who, I, I mean, technically don't have a pick until I think the fourth round or fifth round, but they're going to get a compensation pick here in the third round for Brad Holmes uh, being hired away as a, um, as a minority executive to, to, to the Detroit lions. So they're getting, they're going to get awarded a third round pick there. I'm going to have them taking Dylan Parham, the interior offensive lineman from Memphis. This is another senior bowl guy who really stood out to me, especially in day one. And even in the rain, I thought he played really well in the second practice He's got a great journey, man. He started and came to Memphis as a tight end, so he's got that athletic background to him. Threw on some extra weight, moved over to the other side of the ball, played defensive end for a year, his sophomore year, and then he popped over to offensive line, ended up finding a home at center for them there memphis website had him listed at 285 and he's actually been playing at 250 or at 315 you asked them right I, been... I had to ask him this because yeah, it was it's stupid so stupid for him to play at 285 and he kind of smiled and he said yeah i'm 315 that's when i'm playing it but i love the wide base man i love the flexibility you can see how able he how easily he's able to sink in his hips really get down anchor have a lot of strength versus bull rushes He's very quick on his feet. He's able to stay in front of guys and mirror. And he's got that tight end athletic background. He's got that defensive end technique background. And then he's got a lot of experience and some good play at center. So if he can last this long, I think he's a great pick for the, uh, for the Los Angeles Rams picking at number. I have 97 on here. It might be 98. It might be 99. I'm not exactly what number that they're exactly going to have, but there we go. There is, there is our first, first round mock well not just first round mock our first total mock draft together as a duo here on this podcast connor how'd it feel it felt great to me it feels great as we sit here and record it on a sunday night i'm sure by monday afternoon
1: the the complaints will be filing and that's okay the complaints will be filing in fire of these guys how did these guys get a podcast what are you doing uh, this player, how is this player left out of the mock draft? That was part of my thinking with Kenny Pickett at 32. I'm like, oh man, if we leave Kenny Pickett out of this mock draft, like this is gonna, there's gonna be a lot of heat coming down on us. Little
0: PR, little PR move there at 32. It,
1: dude, it felt, it, it felt great. This is fun, and you know, like we've said, we're gonna mix it up. Like we, I did the evens today, got the Jets picks. You did the odds. No mm-hmm. coincidence, got the Bucks pick. We'll flip that upside down. We'll continue to get these teams that don't have first round picks involved in the mock because, I mean, who wants to listen to a mock draft and not hear their team? right the new there, there, get a new
0: christmas present there are way too many nfl draft shows that never talk about the teams that aren't in the first round there's way too many man not here not on SE. we got you we got and you look 100%. at look at the impact Tutu atwell made last year okay. after being the... <laughs> okay you're not you're not building a good case
1: This <laughs> has been a long show that's I not a, a good... I need to get one in i need to get one little
0: kind of you know very uh you know that was a smart fun. ass remark. That was fantastic. I had a lot of fun. Guys, let us know what you thought of the mock draft either in the YouTube comments or on Twitter. Uh we post the we we post the show every time a new one comes out. Uh, so you can reply on Twitter if that's your main way of communication or if you have a YouTube account and you're watching this on YouTube. You could do it there as well. Connor and I are going to make sure that we're doing a good job of replying to you guys. I try to take some time and reply to some of the past episodes. I'm going to start doing that as new episodes come out. So um, definitely want to get you guys in on the show. We, we, we've we said this the whole time, and this is always going to be the case. This is y'all's show. It's just as much as it is ours. And you know, to that point, what you were saying before, every time somebody uh, looks at a bad mock draft pick of mine and goes, can't believe they pay you for this. I always just respond. Wait, people get paid for this? Oh. So that's, that's that's always my way to deflect that. And so let us know what you thought of your team's haul of the mock draft overall. We would love to hear it from you on tomorrow's episode because we're going back to back, Monday and Tuesday. We're gonna analyze all of the head coaching and GM hires that have already been made and get into the details of exactly what that means from a draft perspective for all of these teams and maybe some surrounding teams from wherever they are picking. So we're going to look at maybe some GM tendencies, what they're going to bring to the table, what they said at their opening press conferences and what they think they might target, certain positions, certain strategies, all that kinds of stuff. So we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. We will see it tomorrow. Until then, peace out and be well.